this week as well. And we'll be heading to France to find out about tonight's Euro semi-final. Wales up against Portugal. Joe Cran is there and we'll chat to him on tonight's show as well. In the news, though, we start uh, with news that uh, Barcelona and Argentina forward Lionel Messi and his father have both been handed 21-month suspended sentences for tax fraud. Under Spanish law, a prison sentence under two years can be served under probation, meaning that neither will go to jail. The court ordered Messi to pay a fine of around 2 million euros and his father to pay 1.5 million in domestic football news, Polokwane City have appointed Belgian Luc Aymal as their new head coach. He replaces Julio Lial. Meanwhile, Ajax Cape Town have returned from pre-season training with new recruits Eric Chepeta and Joaquim Lupeta in a buoyant mood following their first session with the team. Chepeta and Lupeta joined the Urban Warriors from Chipper United and Bidvest Vitz respectively with a former happy after his first session under head coach Roger Dessar. I think uh, the coach uh, just uh, rectified that uh, we, we have a good team. It's all about working hard. Uh, personally, me, uh, uh, the coach just said uh, we're going to talk during the week. But uh, the guys, we're talking, enjoying ourselves, uh, knowing each other. Um, hopefully, it's, it's gonna, I've, I've got a feeling it's going to be one of the best seasons for the team. Chepeta says he likes what he saw and believes the team have what it takes to compete for titles. Um, I think it's, it's a good thing. Uh, I met uh, friendly people today. Uh, the training was good. Uh, listening up uh, since it's the first day. I think uh, as a team, we're raring to go for a new season. Uh, pre-season, I think we all is well. We're going to try our best to push until uh, the, the first game starts. Platinum stars have parted ways with close Echolela, Alizar Rogers and Sibusisu Khadebe, amongst others, while Namibian striker Enrico Buitas has rejoined Equena on a free transfer from Bidvest Vitz. In international transfer news, Real Madrid have opted to exercise a buyback clause in Alvaro Morata's contract, ending the forward's two-year spell at Juventus. As I mentioned at the start of the show, Euro action to look forward to this evening. Portugal up against Wales, uh, and the first time they ever play each other in a competitive match. On to rugby now, Adrian Strauss will captain the Bulls against the Sunwolves on Saturday, while Prop Wagner Kreer will play his last game at Loftus Fashfeld before jetting off to play for the Scarlets in Wales. In cricket news, Rob Walter has resigned from his role as Titans coach. He's done that to take up the position of head coach uh, at Otago in New Zealand. In golf news, Yaku van Sales withdrawn from next week's Open Championship. He'll be replaced by former world number one Luke Donald. On to surfing now, Australia's Mick Fanning has taken out Heat 1 in his return to South Africa at Jeffreys Bay after almost oh, a year after his brush with a shark during the final of the same event last year. Despite an ankle strain, the Australian led the Heat from the start. Fanning says he's delighted to be back. Look, it's, um, it's been a big week actually. You know, I got here early and then hurt my ankle and so I had to sit down the sidelines and watch the amazing waves go through and it was, it was just like torture. But um, look, uh, medical staff worked so well on me, and um, and then yeah, got it taped up. And you know, once once you're out in the heat, you sort of don't feel anything. You just get going. But um, yeah, it was great to get back out. In Olympic news, Australia have announced that double Olympic champion cyclist Anamiz will carry their flag at the opening ceremony of the Rio Games. Next month, the 32-year-old will defend her track sprint title at her fourth Olympics. She says she's humbled by the selection. It means a lot. Um, I spent a lot of my life as a little girl, you know, dreaming about ra- representing Australia and racing and competing, and um, I never thought that this would happen. <laughs>
On to some cycling news. Stage 5 of the Tour de France today has concluded and it was a fascinating race today. I can tell you that Greg van Armart of Team BMC Racing won the stage. He's also put himself into yellow following that performance. A brilliant, brilliant race in the end. The general classification looks as follows. Uh, it is van Armart in first, Julian Alphilippe in second, 5 minutes 11 behind Alejandro Valverde, two seconds behind him, Joaquin Rodriguez and Christopher Froome in fifth, so uh, the main contenders five minutes behind the Mayo Jean, but nothing to worry about as of yet, so the mountains are still coming, we'll head to Wimbledon next SAFM Sports Wrap Well let's head to the All England Club now, where we're joined by Chris Bowers, Chris, what an afternoon of tennis so far uh, let's start with uh, the South African the main South African connection uh, wonderful, wonderful match uh, and Raven Claston and his doubles partner through to a Wimbledon semi-final Absolutely and I think a big factor in their 7-6, 6-1, victory over Bob and Mike Bryan was the fact that the Bryans went to five sets yesterday and their next opponents will also have gone to five sets because uh, Bruno Suarez and Jamie Murray, the Australian Open champions, uh, are in a five-setter, a long five-setter against Edward Roger Vasselin and Julian Beneteau, former French Open doubles champions. So high-quality stuff, but it all seems to be falling into uh, Carson and Ram's hands. And uh, they played a wonderful match. I confess I didn't see that much of it because I had my eyes on Roger Federer. It was a question of keeping on my eyes on as many screens as I could. Um, the Federer match was just so absorbing. But there was one astonishing forehand by Klaassen in the third set tie break. They were 4-3 up and it was a mini break that got them to 5-3. And a gorgeous forehand uh, that, that he hit wide of the outstretched racket of Roger Vasselin. And uh, that really broke the back of it, as well as that, that first set tie break. And after that, the Bryans, I think, started to fade badly. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Bryans, even though they played the, the, the five-setter, they are no mugs, a, a wonderful performance by the 11 seeds. But let's, let's talk about your multitasking skills and that Roger Federer match. Uh, I think one word to sum it up would be, wow. Absolutely. But, you know, a lot of people in this country were talking about, oh, isn't that a fantastic day? Murray's playing Songa. And I was saying, yeah, but the Federer Chilich is likely to be the more competitive match. I wasn't sure just how good it would be. It was just a wonderful match. And for two and a half sets, um, it was going back to the U.S. Open semifinal of 2014, where Chilich just killed Federer. And in fact, at the end of the match, Federer, in, in his flash interview as he came off court, he used the term, he said, Chilich was playing U.S. Open-esque tennis which I thought was a beautiful way of summing it up. But the difference then was that Chilich didn't let up. And it was a crucial game, three-all, third set, Federer serving love 40, uh, really effectively matched points. And Chilich got tight. He missed one backhand. Federer played a wonderful half volley to save another break point. And when he came through, five points on the run to hold the 4-3, you could just feel the energy change. And although Federer, uh, his backhand was a little bit erratic all the way through, and he saved three match points in the... Uh, fourth set, one at four five, one at five six, one in the tiebreak, crucially all on his own serve. Uh, the, the feeling was by that stage that as long as he didn't sail too close to the wind, he would get through. And Tillich doesn't have a great record against top ten players. So, in a way, this was a, a, a magnificent win for Federer. I hope they haven't taken too much out of him, but it actually made him a lot of good because he will have, uh, you know, had a really long 
tough match under his belt, which he hasn't had really since Australia. Mm, fantastic performance. Uh, I think he, he will be buoyed and, and confident by the fight. But Milos Raonic is through, uh, and then the two matches on court at the moment. Uh, Thomas Burdish is a setup, uh, and you also mentioned the Andy Murray Joe Wilfred Tonga match uh, that in its first set. Chris Bowers, thank you so much for your time this evening. Much appreciated. Uh, we'll have all those results for you tomorrow morning on, on AM Live with Janet Witten. Up next, we head to France across the channel to find out what's happening in the Euros. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. Well, Soccer Laduma's Joe Cran joins us now. He is in France. Uh, it is semi-final night number one this evening. Wales up against Portugal. Joe, welcome onto the show. What's it? Uh, what's the feeling like in France ahead of uh, ahead of tonight's clash? On a, on a personal level, I'm uh, I'm very tired. I'm staying with a friend. Who uh, he stays at the very top of the building in this low lift. I literally just arrived and I've gone up eight floors of the suitcase. So I'm uh, I'm in recovery mode at the minute. <laughs> Joe, lots at, lots at stake tonight uh, for both teams. Uh, Wales, they've never been this far in a in a I don't want to say even in a Euro in any FIFA competitive match, ladies or men. So uh, uncharted territory for them. Portugal, on the other hand, have been here before. It's been a while, so for both teams, uh, it's, 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 I mean, the spot in the final, it's, it's been a long, long time for, 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 for Portugal, and uh, it, it's going to be a fantastic clash. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's obviously a little bit more, um, it's a little bit more pressure on, on Portugal, seeing as, like you say, they are a team that, that has been there before. Um, but it's difficult for Wales now. I mean, do they now pretend that they're, they're happy with having beat the semi-finals because nobody expected them to be there or do they do they go for it and I think that um, it's going to be a very interesting game to, tonight I think that looking at the tournament so far um, you would definitely say that Wales have been the better side I think they've they've played better football they've actually won games unlike Portugal which is which is awful um, yeah it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting game I'm heading down to the fan park to watch it there underneath the Eiffel Tower so yeah, there's, there's worse places to watch the game, I think. <laughs> I'm sure. There's been lots of talk uh, uh, around the two main protagonists for each team. Gareth Bale up against Cristiano Ronaldo. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, there's a, a big backstory there as well. The, the teammates at, the, at club level. and um, there's, always, there's always been the thing about, about Bale being a, a more expensive sign than Ronaldo. And Ronaldo not being too happy about that. So, um, I think both of them will have a, a point to prove against each other tonight. But... Um, I'm sure at the same time they uh, they will be quite happy for the other one if the other one goes up to, to win the game as well. You, you mentioned the way Portugal have, have got to, to this point in the competition. They, they haven't been that convincing, particularly in the group stages. Uh, lots of draws, whereas Wales have, have shown some serious fight and, and they've scored some wonderful goals. They've come back from, from being down. Do, do you think Wales are going to just go at this with, with sort of gay abandon and just throw the kitchen sink at Portugal or, or is it going to be a cagey affair? I don't think it'll be uh, with Gabe, and I don't think they're going to be, be silly about it. Um, but I, I don't think they'll change the way they play. I don't think that Portugal, that, sorry, that Wales will go in a particularly defensive manner. I think they'll, they'll go out to win the game, and um, and they'll, they'll be aware of the fact that Portugal haven't played well and that they haven't really created that many chances. Um, so I think from from that side of things, um, the, the Welsh side will be will be confident of getting some result today. Looking at uh, sort of what's, what's happened so far in the tournament from a penalty shootout perspective and, and just generally Portugal, I mean, they've, they've been pretty good as, as far as penalties go. It, it is always a possibility at this stage in, in the competition. Uh, wh- wh- how do you fancy Wales' chances in, in a shootout? I think when it comes to a penalty shootout, it's, uh, 
it's it, to some extent look at the draw. You can practice as much as you want. You can uh, you can take your penalties in training. You can take your penalties in the build up to the tournament. But when when it comes down to it, and and all that pressure's on you, and the, a nation a nation is on your back, then. Um, you don't know. I mean, you you get these guys who. I mean, Ronaldo obviously missed the penalty already this tournament, and and he's someone who is a, a regular penalty taker. So I don't think it, it matters so much about how much you practice it and, and how much effort you put into it. I think it's, it comes down to mentality over anything else. And I think when it comes down to penalty shootout, these guys are all good enough to score from 12 yards. It's just a case of who is uh, who is meant to make sure they they put it away. Should be interesting indeed. Are you willing to stick your neck out, Joe? Who's going to win this one? I actually think Wales are going to win it. I think, I think it's it. The, there's a big Ronaldo bail here, but I think collectively the, this watch is incredible. And I think that more so on a mental level than a, a technical level. But I, I think that I do think that um, that Portugal are a very on man team, and and I don't think that's the case with Wales. I think that that obviously Bale is their star man, but. Um, I think as a collective, they're a, they're, a, they're a very strong unit, and, and now they've got this. I reckon they could go on and, and make it to the final. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic clash indeed. Unfortunately, the line not great there towards them. But Joe, enjoy the football this evening at that uh, fan park in France, mm-hmm. and and I'm with you. I, I've got a funny feeling Wales are, are going to do this, so uh, it's going to be fantastic. Kickoff nine o'clock South African time. Really looking forward to that. And get the results tomorrow morning on AM Live. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. You're listening to South Africa's news and information leader, and so we head to Paul now, where uh, rugby reporter uh, Johan Ferreira joins us now. We're going to chat some super rugby, but uh, before we do that, Johan, welcome onto the show. You're in Paul for, for the Craven Week at the moment. Uh, welcome. What's the standard of rugby been like at this year's Craven Week? Has it been pretty good? Yeah, hi Brad, nice to talk to you. For the first time in history, the under 13 and under 16 weeks are being hosted simultaneously uh, at Paul Gym. And it's been a, a very good idea from Saru's side and they're well supported and, and that has drawn the crowd in. Uh, I can tell you that uh, this afternoon we saw in inverted commas the semi-finals in the under 16 division and uh, what, a, what a semi-final lineup it was. The, the Bulls played against the Lions. And the Bulls came through with a victory 35-1. So that was a nail-biter. And then the Sharks did the business against Boerland in a low-scoring affair. But uh, the Sharks pulled it through at the end. Captained by Marius Jonker's son. Marius Jonker is a well-known uh, referee, now television match official. His son uh, did, a, did a very good job and uh, was one of the start liners again this afternoon. Very good on defense. So our main fixture with regards to the under-16s on Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock will be the Sharks and the Bulls for under-16 honours. Under-13s are in action um, on uh, on uh, Thursday, and uh, that will uh, determine who will go through to play in that main fixture on Friday at 1 o'clock. So all about the under-13s tomorrow, and uh, all the teams will be in action on Friday. In province, the local lads, they were surprised on day one. They lost to Boerland. And uh, that uh, that basically eliminated them from a possible main fixture. So yeah, standard has been very good. We've also seen some former Springboks. Louis Kuhn, I had a chat to Louis Kuhn today. Uh, saw Sean Rue and Peter De Villiers, who were part of the Enix Mayer Springbok era. They are here as well. I spoke to Yuri Rue. Uh, Kennedy Simba, the former Free State Chief Duffly Half, he's here supporting Zimbabwe. So uh, a couple of names that um, that are that are flowing back into 
youth rugby, the, the coach of the under-16 Leopards team is Michael Bondicio, who used to play for the Lions. That's right. Jeez. So, uh, very nice to... to yeah, it's great Great to hear that uh, so many of the, the ex-players and, and, and big names in South African rugby are, are sort of feeding back into, into youth rugby. And, and, and honestly, this is the breeding ground of uh, where our future Springboks are going to come from. I mean, you look at that box set up now, uh, I'd probably say 99% of those guys uh, played Scraven Week rugby when they were growing up. So it's good to see that competition uh, still growing from strength to strength. Johan, let's touch on Super Rugby now, though. It was a, a pretty fascinating weekend as far as results go. Uh, the big game of the weekend, I think everyone was, was watching was the Lions and the Sharks, and, and the Lions were, I mean, second half, they, they went off the boil a bit, but that first 40 minutes, they were sublime. You can't put it better than what you've just put it. And I, I, I want to emphasize, that is why they have the amount of Springboks that they have in their group. And finally, some recognition where it's due. And I'm glad that those players came back, and you could see the self-confidence, the self-belief that they've brought back to that line set up and they completely outplayed the Sharks in that first half. You can argue and say that the Sharks had a better second half. Yes, that's true, but they they were completely outdone in that first 40 minutes. And the Lions are, are surely, uh, I think there's still a, a bit of rugby to come from them. And I'm glad that Johan Ackerman has left his team unchanged for this weekend's clash. I, I think it's so easy to, to go back and say, right, we've qualified for, the, for what is the sort of quarterfinals. Uh, let's give a couple of French players an opportunity. I, I think he's done it exactly right to say we're not going that route. Let's continue to build. Let's keep our, our team together. And let's uh, make sure that we approach every match basically as a knockout match. And they should, they should have too much class this weekend. I don't think they will be tested, but I think it will be about continuity and uh, just keep maybe, maybe not playing everyone for 80 minutes, but keeping them fresh for the next phase of Super Rugby. Yeah, w- without a doubt. Johan, the Storm has picked up a good win last weekend as well. They, looking ahead to this weekend, they're still on tour. They play the Force. I mean, following their win last weekend, they should fancy their chances uh, against the Force as well. The, the Bulls are an interesting one. They, they traveled to South America last weekend. The Jaguars haven't been great this season, but obviously the international break did them well uh, because they, they bounced back and they, they absolutely thumped the Bulls. I mean, it was a, a, a wonderful performance by the South Americans. And uh, they back home, the travel... Is tough. They play the Sun Wolves, but uh, I mean they'll be licking their wounds following the weekend. They should beat the Sun Wolves, but uh, stranger things have happened in Super Rugby. Yeah, basically for me it's a straight shootout now between the Bulls and the Sharks. Uh, the Bulls very disappointing last week. They, they missed the leadership of Adrian Strauss. You could see it. No surprises from Nolas Marais' selection to bring back uh, Adrian Strauss into the mix for this weekend's clash. Jesse Creel at fullback and a couple of changes up front. Um, that Kruger gets a start again. Uh, Ronaldo Botwa is an interesting one. He was selected as captain of Namibia recently, came out of that shock setup, decided to join the Bulls. So he's also getting a start in the number eight jersey. Still no luck for Jock Portiter, who is in hospital for a couple of days. He has an infection. So it looks like he might not even feature for the Bulls before he heads off to Japan. So the Bulls have to do the business against the Sunwolves. I don't think that they will have any problems despite what happened in South America last weekend, I think they'll still have too much firepower for the Sunwolves and knowing that it's a must-win clash. And then the Sharks obviously involved in their own little battle. They next face Frankismus Cheetahs, and I can tell you that's not going to be easy. Yeah, especially after the Cheetahs picked up, it was a narrow win, but it was a confidence-building win because they hung on in the end there. Uh, and, uh, I mean, like you say, straight shootout. The Sharks would have would have hoped to, to, to have picked up a win last week so they didn't have to be in this position, but the Cheetahs very unpredictable. The Sharks are going to struggle. 
Yeah, and the big news out of the Cheetah camp, it remains to be seen how that's going to affect him, but Luis Diacher has decided to move on, and ironically, to the Bulls. So he's joining them at the end of, uh, of the year. Uh, the Sharks very disappointing, and they have their own concerns. We know what happened. He uh, got kick off against the Lions last week with the center combination, and uh, Patrick Lambie still uh, that concussion that he that he suffered uh, with the CJ Thunder tackle uh, in the test against Ireland. So they still don't have him available. Vinny LaRue looks doubtful as well. So they're missing some key members of their squad, and based on that first-half performance against the Lions, they basically need to pick themselves up and pretty quickly. Otherwise, it can become a tricky encounter against the Cheetahs out that will definitely have some influence just by the fact that they hung on for that victory um, last weekend. It wasn't that convincing in the second half, and they showed that uh, where they could be beaten, lots in concentration, not that sound on defense, but they go to Durban with a victory where the Sharks go to Durban with a lot of questions to be answered. So that could become a, a pretty interesting tackle in Durban. Crunch time in Super Rugby. It's going to be a fascinating weekend. John Ferrer, thank you for your time once again. Enjoy the rest of the Craven Week, and we look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks, Brad. SAFM Sports Wrap. On to athletics now. South African middle distance runner Kasta Semenya will be gunning for golds when she makes her second Olympic appearance in Rio, Brazil next month. Semenya won the silver at the 2012 London Games in the 800 metres with a time of 157.23 seconds behind Russian winner Maria Savanova, who was then world champion. Semenya could have won gold in the final. She started slowly, then showed her mettle by cruising past the majority of the field but could not beat seven over to the finish line. She'll be looking to go one better this time around. Uh, obviously, to improve uh, my performance for last Olympics. You must remember I got silver, so yeah, the main thing is to try to go win gold then young. Obviously, I just turned 25 in January, so this one probably will be do or die, so I have to do it. Semenya shot into prominence when she won gold at the 2009 World Championships in Berlin, Germany, but her victory was marred by the question raised about her gender. After the Olympics, she suffered injuries which affected her performance. She failed to qualify for many events after that, including world champs in Beijing, China last year. She says the support of her family and South Africans at large have helped her pull through the difficult times. I think it takes a strong character into a success. So, yeah, obviously without a family, you know, you're nothing. Without friends and uh, those people that you train with, obviously if you don't get that support, you can never overcome anything. So uh, I would just like to thank my family for being there for me, you know, try to guide me through, you know, hard times and uh, those times that I'm happy. So, yeah, I think, yeah, like I said, it takes a strong character to, you know, to, to reach that uh, target of success. So, yeah, yes, of course, uh, the universe has been great, you know, the support that I got from uh, my people, from my nation. So, yeah, they've been good to me. So, yeah, I'll just keep on doing what, I'm do- what I do best so then I'll try to make them proud all the time. Semenya is trained by renowned middle distance coach Jean Fester, who is also in charge of Botswana's athlete Nigel Amos and South African middle distance runner Alroy Gallant. Fester was the coach to Ezekiel Sepeng, who won silver at the 1996 Atlanta Olympic Games. Semenya says it's great to work with Fester. Ah, it's, uh, it's quite easy, though. You do what you feel is right for your body. You know, we, we, we feel the body, we listen to, you know, we talk actually. It's all about communication, it's all about teamwork, you understand? We know those uh, coach and athlete that are more in command. We sit down, we discuss the program. I have to tell him what I feel. If I feel like the program is a little bit easy, 
if I want to go a little bit hard, we talk about this, then we increase the program. If we feel like we're tired, we go down, you know, we scratch down the books. So it's all about communication. Semenya is in the form of her life at the moment. The former 800 meter world champion set world leading times in the 400 and 800 finishing with the 1500 meter. Semenya became the first athlete to win all three titles at the championships and did it within about four hours. She also won the double in the African Athletics Championships in Durban two weeks ago, but she doesn't feel that she'll be the overwhelming favorite in Rio. Uh, I think that one is uh, more of a being a coward, you understand? Sports has to be all about fun. It's all about giving your best. Do not focus on what other people do. Because at the end of the day, when we step on the track, it's all about you, not all about me, you understand? I do what works for me, you do what works for you. So if then you're going to go walk on the track, then focus on someone's performances so then that one will kill your morale that's what I do you have to understand I also had my setbacks I never focus on what people do you understand I went with that strong mentality that okay if someone can do it I can do it you understand so the advice that I can give is just you have to go work hard you know you train hard then why do you have to worry about your opponent because it's all about you at the end of the day the goal is to cross the line and finish that's the main goal and you have to understand that we do sports for love we do not do sports to create enemies so then if you start talking about someone then it starts to surprise me because at the end of the day when you step in the line it's all about your performance nobody SAFM sports rap on to some cricket now. Former Proteas and Lions stalwart and now South Africa A batting coach Neil McKenzie's quash claims that the standard of South African domestic cricket is dwindling with the number of Proteas top players now attracting offers from overseas tournaments when outside of international duty. McKenzie says we need to focus on producing young talent. The recently retired McKenzie believes it would be great to see all franchises evenly contesting for silverware this coming season. I don't think it's gone down the drain. There's still some uh, high performance around. Uh, you know, all the franchises are very professional. And you've got some talent. You know, there's always talent in South Africa. No matter what anyone says and does, there's a lot of talent around. It's just nurturing that talent and getting the best out of that talent. Um, I'd probably prefer to see a, a lot more competitive games in terms of the franchises, where all franchises are competing for all the trophies. I think in the past, two, three sides have dominated, especially that four-day cricket uh, arena. So I know there's a few new signings around uh, the franchise which should even up the contest quite nicely. The newly appointed Cricket South Africa batting consultant, Mackenzie, adds that uh, it's good to test the group against opposition at international level. The 40-year-old says it's good to see a healthy competition within the squad. Good to see an SAA side that's high quality. You know, there's uh, a lot of experience here, a lot of big performers from last year. So it's uh, you know my first day uh, with the SAA side and it's good to see. You know, the vibe's good and there's a lot of competition around. With the cricket season constantly coming around earlier than expected each season, Mackenzie commended cricketers to strive to stay in great shape, irrespective of the time of the year. Mackenzie says both tours should provide some good competition for SAA to measure their strengths against some of the best. I think if you're going to be an international cricketer, there's not too many off-seasons these days, so uh, you definitely got to get used to the cricket all round. Got a few more days till uh, Zimbabwe, and just a nice way to get a jump start on the tour. You obviously got the Zim tour, then a, a big tour to Australia, and you know Australia, the, whatever side they put out, is always competitive and very uh, good Australian side. So it's nice to test uh, where we are as a South African second unit. 
Sunfoil Dolphins and SAA all-rounder Andire Pulanquayo says he believes that sharing his second SAA call-up with a number of test players is set to grow his game even further. The 20-year-old says he's looking forward to drawing a lot of experience from the players such as Vernon Philander and now coach Neil McKenzie. Uh, no, I've been privileged and honoured to be selected in the SA team. I'm looking to take uh, confidence forward from my uh, previous season. There's a lot of things I've been working on, especially on the batting, in terms of uh, how I score and knowing myself better, and uh, the bowling. But uh, there's a lot of senior guys, guys that have played pro tiers in the SAA side, which I can learn from, and this process will take my game forward. SAFM Sports Wrap. On to some football news now, and judging by the comments of the South African Football Association CEO, Dennis Mumble, football players who are hoping to use the newly introduced system of intermediaries in this current transfer window might have to wait a bit longer. A FIFA Congress two years ago in Brazil passed a resolution that last year in April the old system of agents should be replaced by the intermediary system. While many countries started with the intermediaries last April, SAFA has been battling in courts with the local agents. The main problem was around the commission of the agents that have been capped at 3%. Mumble says they've since revisited that and rectified what the agents were asking for, but can't implement it because there's still a court case lingering. You know, the elements of that uh, regulation that have been put on hold because they, uh, they managed to get an interim uh, court order for us not to implement the new regulation. So we are working off of the old regulation still on players' agents. But the new regulation on intermediaries have been, uh, have been put on hold. We have made the changes that those who took the case to court, the former players, uh, player agents that took this case to court, we've uh, uh, implemented or changed our regulation uh, to take into account uh, their very strong feelings on uh, how they see themselves within the scope of the regulations and uh, specifically as it relates to compensation and the cap on compensation of the fees that they uh, themselves get as intermediaries for players or between players and clubs. And so uh, now that we've agreed on the process forward, we are waiting for them to to take the next step and, and uh, hopefully they will go to court and then uh, pull that uh, uh, case out because uh, what they asked us for, we have now gone and implemented. SAFM Sports Wrap. I think there's still going to be a lot more to come from that story. Before we go, though, just a quick uh, tennis update for you. Thomas Burdish is now two sets up uh, and 5-1 in the third against Lucas Biol. So he is just about through to the semi-finals. Andy Murray and Holford Songa in an epic battle. First set tie break. Uh, that's what they've just headed into now. So that one could take a while as well. All those results tomorrow morning for you on AM Live. I'll be back again tomorrow afternoon on PM Live from myself and my producer, Siobhan Chetty. Have yourself a great evening. The talk shop is up next on the other side of 7 o'clock. Right now, though, it is uh, 7 o'clock in time for your news with Greg Hose.